0: timbits will get me through so i'm cool and then i'll i'll get some dinner and maybe i'll watch another movie or something what's your dinner plan beyond timbits then no brianna and i normally uh just ask each other you know what do you want for dinner and then neither of us can decide but luckily we have so few things in our house (laughs) dinner stuff that like we we just end up got to pick one so it'd probably be pasta or pierogies that sounds good. Mm-hmm. Uh, does just it ever get to the point the where you have to like flip a coin or something and then you have to be like okay, I guess we're doing this? No, like, but nobody that's a can good decide. Idea. Or That's a good idea. Bri- Brianna, we should flip a coin sometime. Maybe. Or like not necessarily just those two things, but any of the two things we're struggling with or like trying to figure out how to watch something. Brianna and I are very bad at deciding what to do because we just want to do what makes the other person happy and so we end but up But that's doing adorable.
1: Nothing. That's so sweet and heartwarming.
0: It is, but it gets pretty frustrating when we're all so heartwarming all the time. Yeah, and you're just constantly around each other, and it's just it becomes insufferable. You're too good to each other. Dirty business with Corey. I'm not
1: bringing up dirty business with Corey. Wait, it's Liam, my friend. Liam, wait. Can right. you hear that?
0: No, I don't hear anything. You can't.
1: Are you sure? There's like, there's music coming oh. in. Can you hear that? Can you hear that coming? Oh my, Liam, yeah. something's happening. On, Can let you let hear any check. of that? Can you hear the banging? <laughs> oh my god. Guess what, fuckers? We're back! Woo! Welcome to They Slayed Another One, where we dig the skeletons out of the closet of Franchise Cinema and see what's going on in there. I'm one of
0: your ghosts, Spooky (laughs) Cory. Holy shit. And I'm one of your ghosts, Liam. We're here! It's back, October. Comes once a year, doesn't it, Spooktober, man?
1: INDEED! It can only happen but once
0: a year! Did you say twice?
1: Yes, oh, actually, I did! You see? <laughs> it happens once, for real! And it happens once in your heart! At another point but- in the year, when you need it, you need the spooks and you need the scares, and um... It's like March or something! And you're like, ooh, right. I could really use the scares, and then that's when the Twince emerges, and you buy a skeleton off Amazon. And you put it we're up in your a room. Lot about, we're
0: learning a lot about the Spooktoberman. Right the
1: Spooktoberman is here.
0: <laughs> Earlier I said I was Corey, but I am in fact the Spooktoberman. If Corey were in WWE, his little nameplate would say Corey the Spooktoberman, Price.
1: That's correct, although Corey isn't here anymore for the podcast. Wait, (laughs) Liam, do you hear that banging?
0: I do hear that banging.
1: I think Corey's okay. Okay, okay, I got him. Don't worry, the Spooktoberman is gone
0: i imagine you sitting in your room just like deeply inhaling the spooktoberman into your body Uh, (laughs) i got him i've possessed the soul of the spooktoberman
1: and um we shouldn't have to worry about that guy for at least a week i think i can hold him in there for like a week tops and uh (laughs) so we might going forward have to deal with the spooktoberman
0: i don't want to rule it out (laughs) <laughs> okay well good I bet. At, at least it's good to know we won't have to deal with him as soon as the end of this last if this episode because I think that's that's the way he worked last year and it was getting kind of it was a bit much I mean,
1: it's look it's gonna take a lot of my my own energy and my own power and my things to keep the spooktober man inside of me right so like I'm mm-hmm. gonna do my best if there are flashes of the spooktober man just at points in the conversation look I'm trying my hardest okay yeah, Look, I, we, I, I, I the Spooktober that. man is a big responsibility to right. contain.
0: <laughs> it's a powerful <laughs> force. I don't envy you, man, and to do it while we talk about all these movies so deeply. I mean, that's a multitasking that I There's I got so to do. There's so many other things
1: to think about
0: with this movie
1: that I also have to worry about the fucking Spooktober man. That doesn't seem fair.
0: But these Corey, are the sacrifices Corey I make. a lot of the Corey carries a lot of the burden on this podcast, everyone. I, I just show up. Corey is always... He's containing the Spooktober man, and he's containing the Clancy Brown editing man. What monster. people don't
1: consider is that the Spooktober man is here 12 months a year. He's just more powerful That's, right now because of the auras and the energies and the harvest moons and all the leaves yeah. turning to Halloween colors. But, like, I don't know. It could be June, and, like, uh, I sneeze, and I go, like, "choo," And people are like, what was that? I'm like, well, it wasn't the Spooktober man. And they're like, what? And I'm like, all I'm saying is, I don't know what you heard, but you didn't hear the spooktober, man. And they're like, are you okay? I don't know. Do you need a doctor? And then I just stopped talking about it. But, you know, the hardest things never, to carry are the
0: silent ones. <laughs> I never thought that the narrative on our podcast would eventually become a metaphor for mental illness, but I'm down with it. This is cool.
1: Yeah, so... um if you feel like you have a spooktober man inside of your soul, <laughs> don't sneeze because it might come out. Yeah. Um, don't go near Pepper when you're dealing with the spooktober man. And I'm going to leave it up to listener interpretation as to whether or not the spooktober man is a metaphor. <laughs> and uh, speaking well, like of Like all the best so, movies.
0: Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yes. <laughs> metaphors.
1: Speaking of metaphors and segues and all of that stuff that I try to do on this show, we've got, plenty of that going on this week um and i'm like a good 85% sure this is our first zombie movie is that right
0: i think it's our first zombie movie it's also our first found footage movie because blair witch 2 was oh far far more actual cinematic footage that shit did not count (laughs) yeah so this is our first found footage movie our first romero movie zombie movie
1: we're checking Uh, a lot of boxes Yeah. It's our first on-air capture of the Spooktober Man. Because he really did kind of run away with the whole month last year.
0: Oh, yes, yeah. Anyone can just go look back at the records and, oh my gosh, I tried to bring those to the police and they wouldn't do anything about it. Yeah,
1: they said, did you say Spooktober Man? And when Liam said yeah, they actually swirled him in a toilet and then asked him to leave. Which was a really weird, like, a weirdly mean thing for them to do. And it's like... It was like November at this point because we had to get all we had to compile the documents, right? So like it's cold, it was like freezing his hair and stuff. It wasn't nice.
0: Yeah. I don't, know, I don't I don't know why they did the that.
1: Yeah, honestly. And um so we're hoping for slightly fewer intrusions from the Spooktober man, but we're compensating with uh 800 firsts being checked off today. Uh because we've done a lot of horror movies at this point. Uh, We're like a 50% horror movie show, it feels like sometimes. But, um, yeah. 100% this month. 100% horror this month. That's a guarantee. You can take that to the bank and they won't let you cash it because it's not money. But you can trust us. We would never lie to you. And um, are zombie movies your thing?
0: Are you a big zombie head? No, dude, not at all. As much of a zombie guy, or sorry, as much of a horror guy as I am, I'm not a zombie dude in the slightest. I mean... I can count on more than one hand, two hands, the amount of zombie movies I really like. At least uh, nine. (laughs) Yeah, at least (laughs) nine of them, Um, but no more than ten. I I don't seek them out at all. I just, I don't, they they tend to, a lot of times they border on being action horror, which isn't really my thing. Um, And also they just, they follow a lot of the same plot beats that, I just don't really dig like there's, there's military is often involved there. It's really aggressive personalities. Like you have, um, a lot of times halfway through a zombie movie, your main group meets with another group that is much more aggressive and and trying to get stuff done. Um, A lot of people people
1: are extremely red pilled in a way that's kind of shitty.
0: Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Um, and yeah, I, I don't really like the action slant. Um, there's definitely zombie movies out there I like and it's not it's 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 not something I uh have a real good reason to right. Well what not are, what like are some interest. of those?
1: Like what is a good zombie movie in your opinion? You don't need to give nine examples, but you can give one. Yeah. Uh
0: well, Shaun of the Dead, of course, is fantastic. Um, right. That's that's a great movie um because the characters are so it, it's it's a realistic zombie movie in that um <laughs> in that, that that like that thing we've all people, experienced the zombie apocalypse. Yeah. It's it's like regular people experiencing the zombie apocalypse and um and it's it's just real fun to watch. I love that movie. I like Return of the Living Dead from the 80s, which is sort of a uh schlocky comedy horror. Or oh, is that, that, that the, the one with the punk? skeletons yes. on the poster yeah. Yeah. yeah and that's that's the first time zombies ate brains was that movie um that one's cool uh but in terms of the big the big ones like 28 days later is 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 okay but it's still it's really action and like m- assault weapons based and so I don't really (laughs) dig that and and here's the thing dude I'm not even I'm not even talking with like uh from a fair perspective because I have not seen Dawn of the Dead or Day of the Dead by Mr. George A. Romero which is you know everything I've heard is the quintessential zombie stuff I have seen Night of the Living Dead and I like it but I don't like it enough that it makes me have a new appreciation for zombie movies I think it's it's cool because it's people h- held up in a house, which which I like. Um, and, and so Dawn of the Dead and Day of the Dead are movies I want to check out because I like the confined setting. A lot of zombie movies don't have that, um, but this one is a confined setting. And also, I, I know Romero is big into social commentary, and that interests me as well. But it's just I don't have the infatuation with... Um, death being dealt with in that way like that infatuation that I know Romero has because he's made six of these of the dead movies and so obviously it's his thing you know and he's like super into exploring stuff in that way and it's just it's it's never been my thing
1: yeah I don't I don't seek it out either and I also think we very much lived through like peak zombie pop culture entertainment as like that's teenagers true. and young adults. Like, that's which a really good
0: point. Corey. Make it like, fucking I, insufferable. I, I was burnt out on zombies before I even had a chance to be into zombies, I think. Um yeah. Like Black Ops, is that the that's the Call of Duty game where like you're killing zombies? Uh the first one was World
1: at War. Um, and then they just did okay. it, and then all the Treyarch releases from there on. Yeah, so into Black Ops and et cetera, et cetera. Yes, you're right.
0: Yeah, um, so all my George classmate- Romero
1: features in DLC in one of the zombie modes. I don't know which Call of Duty Black Ops game it's in, but George Romero voices himself as a playable
0: character in that mode at one point. That's really cool. Um, but yeah, I yeah was never JFK in- is there, I think. Nice. I was never into <laughs> those video games, and so I only ever heard people, my friends, talking about zombies and like shooting them with big weapons, and it was just... Uh, it was never Which we've my established thing. you and, don't like. And then Walking Dead came out. Um, and again, not my things. It's just like gruff dudes with big weapons shooting stuff. And uh, yeah, so I, I was out of the zombie thing before I really had a chance to be into the zombie we thing. We need softer
1: boys with big weapons and then maybe Liam will have a change of heart.
0: Smaller weapons. I like the knife stuff. I want a I wanna <laughs> movie where they just kill zombies with a knife. I want a lithe man with a butterfly knife and he's killing zombies. <laughs>
1: um but yeah i think that was the biggest thing for me is just there was so much of it all the time and most of it's not super engaging or the genre had existed for so long at that point that like um just who cares like there's nothing it didn't feel like anything interesting was happening i think largely because so much of it had already happened before we got there that it felt intrinsic in a way that made all that stuff super boring (laughs) Mm-hmm. And so I just, I, I, yeah, I, I just, I don't know. I don't really, I don't care for it. And I think, um, if I'm doing a monster movie, I don't know. I don't know. Give me a vampire
0: or something, I guess. Yes. Yeah. I'm, I'm with you, man. So many type of monsters I I dig before zombies. What, are there any zombie movies or shows out there that you like? Um, particularly like, you know, it's funny cause I was thinking about that while you were listening to some stuff and
1: nothing really came to mind. I'm sure it exists, but I just don't care. I I feel like this is something we've talked about on the show before, because it's been a while. But uh, in university, I did a uh, a whole themed cinema program, like uh, a series of showings, or like I wrote up what the documents and analysis and thematic tissue would be to do a retrospective on all of the not all of, but several of the non-zombie-related movies that George Romero made. Which, so, like, if you give me the most prolific zombie filmmaker in the world and I gravitate to all the shit he made that doesn't have zombies in it,
0: I think that says yeah. a lot about how interested I am in zombies, which is to say, not very. So, you haven't seen the Romero zombie movies either? Because you love Romero, right? The stuff yeah, you that's have why I love talking about him, because then people get to that stuff and I just completely check out
1: um, because I don't, yeah, I haven't seen them. I've seen, um, stuff like, and I haven't even seen all of his stuff, just what I've seen I've liked. Obviously, we talk about Knight Riders a lot, and that movie's perfect in every conceivable way. And there's, like, Show, and there is Martin. Love Show. And there is, um, Monkey Shines is in there, and there, I feel like there were a few other things that I got to, um, in the program that I had written up. But, yeah, I don't know. I, I like his other stuff that I've seen. And, um, I feel like I think to your point about that being something he's really interested in, I think maybe he also got kind of bogged down in it. I think there are things in the movie that we're talking about today that are a good example of him getting bogged down in it, um, as like a vehicle for like very deep social commentary, which maybe worked better 40 years previous. So I think when he flexes his muscles into other genres, I was just a bit more interested. Had you seen other Romero stuff aside from the zombie stuff?
0: I've seen Creepshow. Um, Which slaps. I I saw Monkey Shines. I've learned that I saw Monkey Shines when I was a kid. But as far as what's in there, I couldn't really tell you. There's a monkey in it. it, It's it's got a cool poster with a monkey on it. Um, (laughs) I haven't seen Martin, but man, do I want to see Martin. Martin is really good. You told me about it, and it sounds exactly like you would um, love it. <laughs> a, uh, yeah, it sounds exactly like a vampire movie that came out a couple years ago that I loved, blew my mind. Called the Transfiguration, and that movie is about um, uh, a kid from like inner city New York who is convinced that he is becoming a vampire, and it's and it's unclear whether or not he is. Um, and and then I I learned. F- after that, um, maybe from you or maybe just from reading stuff, but you definitely in telling me about Martin got me interested. I learned that it's that's it's very similar to Martin, and then I was like, "What? Like this this dude wasn't the first person to do it in 2018?" Which which makes sense, but uh, damn, d- damn, do I ever want to see it's that on movie. YouTube,
1: like just sitting there. If you ever want to scope it out, it's like yeah. it's also quite short. However, there are two different cuts of the movie. And the original cut was, like, extremely long. <laughs> uh, mm. According to Wikipedia, anyway, the original cut was nearly three hours. The cut that you'll find on YouTube is, like, 90 minutes.
0: Dude, well, based on, like, what I've heard of that movie is about, I would absolutely watch three hours of that movie. That that sounds more interesting than any of the other stuff he's done to me, like, just based on Logline. I'm looking at his filmography now, and honestly, as as much as I respect the dude and what he's done for the horror genre just a lot of the stuff doesn't jump out at me as stuff I want to see even his Stephen King adaptation the dark half You're the Stephen which, King guy that's right that's granted, your whole I thing granted I haven't read this book but um it's it, don't get me don't get me hyped uh I have seen Night Riders with you that was a fun time that movie um, is so good that is all <laughs> but yeah there's a there's a whole lot of zombie stuff in here. Have you seen The Crazies? Sense. I haven't seen The Crazies. I remember when the remake came out and I was going to go see it, not knowing what it was. And I think I ended up going to like Planet of the Apes or something instead. <laughs> um, but no, I haven't seen that one. I'd be interested in that because it's not quite a zombie movie, right? It's just like a infected movie that that makes people crazy. Uh, Yeah, Biological Weapon is what I'm seeing here. Yeah that's, um, that sounds
1: pretty cool. Also I gotta say uh Season of the Witch is about to get put up on Criterion channel and I'm gonna watch the shit out of that because it sounds wild. It's Oh uh, man yeah it's I'm like, reading the log line it's like, here it's now like, I had no idea. It's like an erotic
0: witch movie. <laughs> that sounds sick. Whenever I hear that title I just think Halloween 3 and so I haven't actually which is neither of those things. Yeah I keep forgetting that that he has a movie that's called this because i just think of the other one this does sound cool yeah so
1: that's that's kind of where i was at with with his stuff is i i had an affinity for well realistically based on the stuff that i was pulling for that uh thing i did i have an affinity for like the 80s stuff he did i mean martin was late 70s but like you know you get it that's sort of the period and um i know there was there was uh some zombie stuff in there, but like, yeah, I just missed it. And then I I haven't seen the Zack Snyder remake of uh, mm. Dawn of the Dead either. Nor have I. All I know is it stars Modern Family dad <laughs> and a couple other people. Oh, interesting. I yeah, did not weird that. early, I guess early presumably stuff from uh what's his name? Fuck, I can't think of his name. I'm trying to pull it up, and my computer's going really slowly. <laughs> Clancy, Clancy. Look, Clancy, can we talk? I'm already <laughs> dealing with the Spooktober man. I can't hang out with you right now, man. You <laughs> gotta come over later. This is look. I can deal with one existential threat at a time, and uh, right now I'm all Spooktober man. Um, so the uh, the cast and crew of this um, here is the list that we're working with in terms of cast, and then I'm gonna go to the crew because there's a few things related to our show and the crew that I think are funny. We've got Michelle Morgan, Joshua Close, Sean Roberts, Amy Lalonde, Joe Dinicol is what I'm going to go with. Scott Wentworth, Philip Riccio, maybe. Tatiana Maslani, maybe. R.D. Reed, Martin Roach, and Boyd Banks are the people I'm going to single out. Um, in part, I'd like to single out a couple of these people for stuff that they've been in before. So, fascinating to me, R.D. Reed plays the Amish guy, Samuel. Yep. And Boyd Banks is just listed as armorist he's not important he's the guy in the truck when they're when they're getting the guns from the people that they go in the warehouse with he's that guy but they were both in Zack snyder's dawn of the dead oh that's just weird to me that they were in both that you were in a romero one in the remake i just find that
0: interesting and i wonder if he i wonder if he watched the movie and was like yo you guys are good I would I would use you in a movie of my own. We have two different connections to the Cube series. Damn. And the that's Cube weird. Series.
1: Yeah, and that's weird wow. because we like just fucking did that. So, Martin Roach, who is the guy who like confronts them and then takes them to that warehouse where they have all that supplies and they acid that man's brain, you know the one? Um, yep. he was in The Shape of Water, Rescue Heroes, and Cube 0. Oh cool. And music by Norman Ornstein. Who did the music for Cube 2 and cube Zero.
0: And I think Romero, also Romero, low key cube fan. Dude, Cube stan. He's a cube stan. He loves the whole series. In fact, he doesn't like the original. He no, just likes the other he's two.
1: he's big on the sequels. And um he's also big on uh, American Psycho 2 probably. Because the yeah. guy also did the music for that as we know as we've established. And then, yep. obviously, it's directed and written by George A. Romero. He's George Romero. I don't know what you want me to say. We know what he's done. And then we've got cinematography by Adam Swicka. And Michael Doherty edited it. And that's that's that. Um, uh, I should have asked at the beginning of the show what we've been scoping to get into the Halloween spirit. Uh, I haven't done much yet, but I figured you would have by now. But I'll get to that later. Um, So, if you weren't a zombie movie person going into this and we knew that this was the fifth George Romero zombie movie, where were your expectations at?
0: Man. Um, My expectations were honestly, I, I, I didn't really know where to, where to put them because the reason this movie got on my radar, I've known about this for a little while was that I heard that it's George Romero does a found footage movie. Um, and I don't remember where I heard it. I've been trying to find, um, find it and go back and see if like any of the podcasters I like, or the film writers I like have mentioned it and I haven't found it. So I don't know where it came from, but whoever it was that brought it to my attention said that the found footage aspect is just terrible. That like George tries found footage and he's totally out of touch. And it's, one of the worst found footage movies like this. This person wasn't saying this is bad because like it's Dawn of the Dead, dude. It's a bad zombie movie. He was just saying as found footage. It sucks. Yeah, just as found footage. It sucks. And that interested me because while I'm not a zombie, dude, you are a found footage. dude. I am a found footage, dude. And so I was interested to see it from there. Um, And then about a week or two ago um I was talking to my friend who's big into horror and has seen all of the of the dead Romero films he told me that Diary of the Dead was his favorite of all the 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 latter three movies important distinction because um, if it was his favorite overall that would be a wild wild
1: statement yeah I don't <laughs> think anybody would dispute that regardless of how you actually feel about the movie
0: yeah, yeah. So so then now I was thinking, oh shit, um, maybe this isn't what I thought it was. Maybe this isn't as terrible as that one person, whoever, said. Um, as the spooktober man said it was. Yes. And then in looking up this movie um, and, and trying to figure out who it was that said that found footage thing, I found that the film writers I like and the podcasters I like actually haven't seem to mention this movie um and so i thought that this movie was like widely regarded as a bad movie um and then i found no evidence of it so i was like oh shit i guess i was confused so uh, going in i was like this could go either way um and i was i was sort of thinking that it's so interesting (laughs) that that romero put out his trilogy uh of, of dead movies in 60s, 70s, 80s, took a long time off and then came back. Yeah, I don't really hear anyone talking about the second trilogy that Romero did, which is so cool because it's like it's kind of like the prequel trilogy in Star Wars, where like even if it's not up to par, I figured I would hear people saying that. Um, but I don't. And so I was kind of ready to form my own opinions about this movie. Um, I was interested in the found footage aspect, but there was a lingering thought in my brain that it was just: if no one really talks about this trilogy of movies, um, maybe it's just because like they respect Romero so much from the from back in the day, and they don't want to because it it seems they're not good enough that people are talking about them all the time. So, um, so we're not going to dunk on just, them. We're just going to leave. So them we're on. not. We're, yeah, we're just going to leave it alone and not dunk on them. So I was thinking um that this might be like old man filmmaker comes back for round 2 and is sort of out of touch and people are just people just let him be. Old you know man yells mean? at cloud. <laughs> yeah, that that's that's sort of those were my preconceived notions about this one. Um what about you, man? Yeah, you pretty much took the words right
1: out of my mouth. I figured if people didn't talk about it It probably wasn't because they were spectacularly bad. They probably just don't hit the level that he was hitting before. And because those movies are so prolific, why would you bother talking about these? Was probably the mindset I assumed most people had. And um, I did not have strong feelings one way or the other. I'm also not like... um, I think found footage can be good, but it's not something I seek out all the time. Um, I've seen really good examples of it. Um, obviously we watched Wreck in class, right?
0: That's right. We did. Yeah. And And that screening kicked ass. 200 person lecture hall. It was awesome. Yeah. And like, that was a great example. Actually, we should do quarantine on this show. Absolutely. And then we could go back to the Wreck series because there are like four Wreck movies. Well, there we go. Anyway, stay tuned. But, um, yeah, that aside, um,
1: I don't really seek out like paranormal activity stuff or anything like that. Um... I've seen Cloverfield, but like I don't know, I don't have strong feelings about that uh, because I don't remember it super well. So I was, I was, uh, I was open-minded, but I don't know if I'd say I was optimistic. Yeah, that that's that's a really
0: good way to put it. I'd say I was in the same boat. Yeah, I want to like it because I like the guy who made it. (laughs) Right, though I am so curious to know what you thought about this movie because yeah this this is your dude but this is also your introduction to the dude's zombie work you know yeah and um that's crazy It it is and
1: you know um i've watched a lot of shit on this show i'll just say it in the wrong order <laughs> like yeah. uh i have i think old boy is probably the most egregious example of me just doing the wrong part first um mm. and really sort of like making the experience harder for myself i did it with Halloween, Carrie, The Exorcist, A Nightmare on Elm Street, Texas Chainsaw Massacre, This, um, Old Boy, uh, Cube, um, Flintstones,
0: Airbud, <laughs> well, but um, Not Sleepaway Camp thankfully. I made you Not uh, Sleepaway Camp see thankfully the beforehand.
1: Yeah, I had to put myself through that. I would argue that was still probably watching it in the wrong order, but that's cuz either way is the <laughs> wrong order. <laughs> but um yeah, so uh you know, I guess I'll go first. I'll I'll break the I'll break the seal here. This very much feels like one of those where uh should have started at the beginning maybe. Because this movie is uh you know, I don't even know if I if I'm comfortable saying the movie's fine. Cuz you know how sometimes I say yep. the movie's fine and like yep. that
0: that's a very middle of the road. Yeah, dude. The movie think-
1: is okay.
0: like yeah i dude we are so on page i've been thinking very much about your your fine analysis (laughs) while watching this and like how this movie relates to it it sounds like it sounds like we're coming at it from the same way yeah it's 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 a little bit short of fine and um yes the
1: main reason for that is the writing is very bad (laughs) and um (sighs) he's so preoccupied with this message he's trying to get out about um the relationship between technology the media um by which i mean the mainstream media and also media as you interact with it and um notions of what is truth and what is being spun and uh he just can't he can't stop tripping over his own feet Because he really wants you to know that that's what the movie's about. And he does that by saying it a lot over and over again and putting people in very artificial circumstances to make a point about uh, how people will prioritize both the spectacle of cruelty and personal political agendas over the truth of a situation. But he doesn't present any meaningful way to rectify that he just shows people at their worst and goes well fuck us am i right and then punctuates that with a deaf amish man throwing dynamite at zombies and i'm like i don't know what you want me to take from this as a mummy puts on a leather jacket and drives away in a convertible like you're either trying to make this point and you do it more carefully or you make this stupid zombie movie And I don't want that phrasing to sound really reductive. Obviously, his early work is a prime example of how you can marry genre film, social commentary. That's what most genre film does, is that it's carrying thematic messages beyond the reality of what you're seeing on the screen. That's the whole point. Cinema does that in general, period. That's what the thematic preoccupations of movies are able to do. They take narrative and they take um, the uh, the craft of the filmmaking and leverage that in a way that makes a broader point. And I can see that he's trying to do that, but it feels like he wants to do that without having to make a movie. Like, he'd rather just say that at you a lot. And um, I don't think the way they execute the found footage particularly plays well into that. Um, I don't think the characters do a great job of selling me on how... There is this sort of, uh, both bloodlust and penchant for, uh, sort of capturing images rather than helping a human being, and I don't know, man, like, it feels like the goals were very
0: lofty and the movie just falls flat in, like, every way. <laughs> yeah man I think you could you could probably solo cast this to be honest I, <laughs> I, I think I think we're just gonna overlap each other a lot i I think this movie balances out to be okay too it's it's fine, not in that everything is middle of the road. It's fine in that there's some there's there's a there's a few things to like you're in there scattered throughout the movie, but then you have some like really just like egregious um almost like pretentious condescending Uh, not even
1: almost it is condescending and it feels it's like you said with like you wondered to what extent this was going to feel like an um an old artist out of touch and um i do know it was also 2007 so you know you can sort of excuse dialogue like using a camera phone and saying that you found a video on a youtube message board um you can excuse that because it was just early internet earlier I should say, um, in earlier techno, like that kind of technology. So like, that's going to sound a little out of touch, not because he didn't get it, but because it's dated. But yeah, the implication, the ultimate implication too, at the end where Deborah's just like, are we even worth saving? Uh, what if humans are the real monsters (laughs) is so fucking condescending and it's so stupid. Like it's so earth shatteringly stupid. And, um, You know, I don't want to get too uh, real because people like to use entertainment as escapism, but we're in the middle of a global pandemic literally right now. And, um, you know, I have seen in the news cycle, to be fair, plenty of indication that some people just fucking don't know how to behave and they're making it harder for the rest of us. But what I've mostly seen is a lot of communities coming together rallying around each other doing what they can to support one another and trying to make the most of a bad situation and i'm not saying that there isn't um just an earth-shattering amount of misinformation and spin and people who don't care and people who would rather you believe some weird conspiracy theory train wreck version of what's happening that's always going to be the case and is technology that he's pointing out fueling that yes however In the literal circumstances that are being described, a pandemic that shuts down parts of society, um, I've seen a lot more humanity at the fore and people coming together than this movie has room for, and I think it's because he just wanted to make the fucking point, and he felt that way, and he felt that that's what that technology did, and while he's not wrong, he couldn't get out of the confines of that single fucking thought. (laughs)
0: Yeah, it's it's all very cynical. Once 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 COVID popped into my mind, and it actually didn't happen as early as you would think. Um, but once it did pop into my mind, as I was watching this, I, I I realized that oh hey, this movie could be even better because of the circumstances I'm watching it in. Because all this art now is taking on a different meaning to us, and so this this movie, if it had been done, I think. Uh, If it had been making a different point or making its point better, this movie really would have benefited from watching it during a global pandemic. Um, But it doesn't. It totally fizzles out and it feels so hollow. Um, It feels very much like a student film, which is funny (laughs) because the movie is like, it's a film within a film. We're watching a student film. But the separation between... Um it's a film like within like, a no, film within a film. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> and but the separation between all the points of views like aren't aren't clear at all. They're so muddied and like it it just the the film within a film within a film ends up feeling so pointless because it's just yeah, the it's, same it's, point it's hammered over and over. It's also not clear. Um so just
1: for anybody who hasn't seen it, which I'm assuming is most of us, um, Oh, Liam, really quick. I had to fucking buy this movie. Oh, uh, man. I couldn't I even it. rent it. You On YouTube, you can't rent it. It was on sale, so I didn't mind. I spent like $7 on it, but like I had to buy it <laughs> to watch it. So Did I just get, own like, this now. You get special features with that? No, it was on YouTube. I just have the movie now forever. Dang. Um, uh-huh. But yeah, I'd, uh, I forgot what I was going to say because I wanted to point out that I paid for this and that's just kind of shocking to me. But oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Plot. I was talking about the plot. Um, so we've got a group of students, film students, seniors who are making a movie. We've got Jason, Deborah, Tony, Tracy, Elliot, and their professor for some reason, Andrew Maxwell. And they're in inexplicably in the woods shooting a mummy movie. Not going to try to read into that too far. It doesn't make any sense. Why would a mummy be in the woods? If a mummy chases a girl in the woods and no one is around to hear it, does the mummy stay wrapped or does the makeup fall off? that classic riddle that everyone loves um not even a single laugh from that i'm gonna have to pipe in (laughs) laughter from that just because you didn't react at all um and they're shooting this movie and we've already seen uh behind the scenes newscast footage of zombies coming alive and uh I'm going to establish that they mentioned that it is an immigrant family in the newscast because that comes up very cynically later and it's part of why the movie is stupid. Um, And so they're on set in the woods shooting this movie and we learn that Jason actually wanted to be a documentarian but for no explicable reason at all, he decided to try to make a horror movie as his senior film. And so they're working on this and it's not working and people are bickering but then they hear on the news that shit is uh, falling apart and that dead people are coming back alive and everything's popping off. So they have uh, a couple people leave. Um, Mummy man Ridley uh, gets in his convertible and leather jacket and leaves. And um, the the rest of the team get in like an RV and just try to get home uh, and try to stay alive and they start encountering the zombies and you know, they grapple with, like, oh, are they alive? Are they dead? Is it ethical to kill them? Blah, 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 blah. Who cares? Every zombie thing that's ever happened. And um, there's, they finally get to where Ridley has this, like, fortress thing. And then they uh, have a big sort of encounter. But the, the primary tension point throughout this whole process is not between the group and the zombies. It's between the group and the desire to document uh because Jason has his camera this is the boldest thing i've ever seen a found footage movie do which is name the make and model of the cameras you're about to see unfucking believable that they did that like yeah. th- we shot this on a panasonic blah 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 in a fucking whatever the fuck who gives a shit and uh that's what the camera's called and um uh Jason w- the wannabe documentarian wants to document it and is asking people invasive questions and trying to get details out of them to make a good movie that he says as it can be like a relic for people and you know a document of the truth in such a trying time and people are like dude focus on what's happening around you the people around you that need help uh we're in a hospital and your friends are shooting and screaming in the distance and you're too busy charging your camera what the fuck and um the primary tension point comes in between uh the the, the desire to the document in, in particular a document cruelty versus um helping one another and there's a lot of like weird cut in montages where it's not clear if george romero just cut them in or if they're in the death of the death movie or whatever the fuck that they did where it's like the media you can't trust them and they just spin everything and so many people have so many cameras and that's all points of view that have subjectivity and that means you can't trust anything that you're seeing and nobody cares about anybody else and um It also gets into a bit of like how are you supposed to believe things on the internet age that you just kind of see on the internet it asks both about like what the line is of like the ethics of journalism and that kind of documentation which is relevant to our educations where we were trained as journalists um it's what we went to school for primarily and we've had these conversations before um about like whether you get involved in these kinds of circumstances or not or whatever and then we've had conversations about how you navigate sort of like new media technology and uh, believability online and misinformation. There's a quote that says in the movie at one point, the mainstream had vanished. Now it's just bloggers, hackers, kids. And it's like, okay, relax. But um, You wouldn't steal a car. You that It feels extremely you would not steal a car. And um, Jason's like, we're not going to have any fakeness. We're going to shoot this really raw and really real. And it's just like... I guess George Romero's asking the question of if that is a worthwhile pursuit and answering it by saying no. Like, I think he would rather these characters had just focused on each other, though that's what most of them are doing. Um, There's this weird implication that it's impossible to avoid the allure of the camera as a way of seeing the world and that viewing the camera viewing the world through any kind of lens i think the movie says be it rose-colored glasses or the black lens of a camera or whatever is like this weirdly intoxicating thing um like tony falls victim he's like i don't want the camera it's too easy to just use the camera and like detach yourself from what you're seeing from the violence it just becomes like a day-to-day thing and then he starts just filming everything and the same thing happens to deborah who actually also edited the movie in the end because jason ends up dying and i'm just sitting here like is this true do people have a tendency to document chaos and, like, violence and shit? Yeah, of course. But I, I personally, also see a far more examples of people still coming together to help in those moments and being able to balance those fucking priorities. Like, I don't understand how he seems convinced that the humanity exits as the the camera enters. I think we've talked about obviously you can become desensitized and detached and that's a huge possible risk to one's mental health and um, potentials of PTSD and things like that. But uh, seeing as also these people are not journalists, um, there are far more examples I can think of, even just in stories that we hear in real actual human reality of people uniting in circumstances such as these and not doing everything that he's saying, which is just devolving into weird, like click obsessed truth hunting animals in their own alternate realities like it's so fucking bleak and it just it doesn't feel honest people that want to do that exist but it's not everybody and he's making it sound like you put a camera in somebody's hand and they just fucking devolve
0: yeah yeah it's um it's frustrating it's it's very frustrating it the the reason I say it feels like a student film is it either feels like someone who is young enough to make a movie without actually having the life experience to know that it's not the way that their angsty brain thinks it is or it feels like a movie made by a much older person where they are not really on the ground talking to these people and they have their mind made up about the way things are based on how they knew things to be, and now how they perceive what's happening today without really talking to those younger people.
1: Yeah, and it makes it harder to sort of connect with the characters, where it's like, on the one hand, totally believable that everybody would be like, hey, Jason, what the fuck are you doing? Put the fucking camera away. Yeah, um, I I, lo- I did like a lot of that stuff. And I, I liked the reflexivity of, on the genre, which was interesting seeing as it was his first... And I believe only crack at that. And he said it was quite challenging to do, but then there's just some really inexplicable shit. Like on the one hand, conveniently they're using movie cameras. So the quality's not weird, but also there are moments where they incorporate cell phone footage from Tracy who very much leaves the house at the end and they wouldn't have her phone. So how did they get the footage uh, in the first place? And how are they able to edit that in? And how is the quality so high on this fucking flip phone video camera? And they find a camera, like a movie-grade camera, just sitting in an empty hospital that's been looted, which is fucking baffling to me to no end.
0: Man, um, let's go hit up some hospitals. Honestly, dude. Behind. Um,
1: catch me looting hospitals in the <laughs> middle of a global pandemic. <laughs> um, like, there's a lot of... They, they're able to connect to the internet only when it's... A lot relevant it seems or like to radio or television or anything like they show that TVs aren't really working sometimes or cell reception, but he can have a full-on video call on a laptop in the back of a warehouse in the middle of fucking nowhere um, it makes it hard to get on board with these characters because the characterization is either them arguing with Jason about the filming being stupid them loving their families or jokes and that doesn't leave a lot of room.
0: Yeah, uh man, uh, yeah, a lot of the dialogue is just reads as extra bad because there's not the more natural uh subtle stuff in between these like hard-hitting grandiose lines about the human race or like about um there's a lot of lines here, just like about the kind of person whoever it is, is yeah. speaking is like uh, instead of it's it's a or lot of just it's the of, themes
1: of the movie directly,
0: yeah, it's a lot of telling and not showing in this movie, um and it's it's a big shame because there's really no chance to get invested in the movie just like on a like point a to point ironically on a
1: human level which is the whole thing he's trying to illustrate this technology keeps us from doing and his movie can't do that
0: yeah yeah it's uh and it makes me upset
1: because like i feel like the potential here was like really high he's proven himself repeatedly you know
0: yeah i don't I'm wondering what this movie would have been like if it had come out five, ten years later because this sort of predated the found footage boom. Um, It's right around the time of paranormal activity. And so I'm wondering if, like, maybe he just needed to take a bit more time before putting this out because so much of it just feels dated and tone-deaf and uh, not quite there. And so I would be interested if this just come out a bit later and maybe he would have a better way to go about it yeah I I think uh, I think maybe that's the case
1: but also I think this was just the point he was making right and there's only so much that like um, development in the genre can do to make that change
0: like I don't think he would have felt any differently
1: about the subject matter
0: yeah, yeah, that that makes sense. That does make sense. Um but the uh, aside from the subject matter um and this film is just laced with the subject matter, but uh if if we step away, if we step away from the zombie thing for a second and just think about the found footage stuff, a lot of that stuff feels um not grounded and like on, it's it's on the outside looking in and it's cynical. Um and so I'm I'm wondering if the genre had developed a bit more if maybe he would have had uh was like better context in order to contextualize this movie because um the the small stuff about like just being interviewed by your friend while making a a a documentary film and how like that's kinda awkward that stuff is cool but when it comes to um just this this idea that like um filming is bad and uh i don't know i don't know if it's filming is
1: bad but it's like i think maybe he's saying contextually it is or that the priorities are out of whack or that like the technology being used is skewing the ability for the camera to get in any semblance of accuracy but when has the camera ever done that it never did that through like Objectivity, even in like the purest of a documentary, it's like they still edited the documentary, right?
0: Yeah, and it's that's never been true. And it's a very theatrical movie, it's not found footage like those, um, the films that he seems to have a problem with. In that they established that they were holding cameras. (laughs) Yeah, and so in that way it, it almost feels like a cop-out where um I like I, I appreciate the context that's given to the found footage idea at the beginning where um we have the editor saying that she's put in music in order to make things dramatically hit more. Um I, I like when found footage movies explain themselves in that way, and so the the footage you're making and the way it's presented makes sense. But then there's so much stuff in here that just makes it seem like he would have rather made uh, an actual movie. That's just thought. That's just shot traditionally because this movie feels like it was shot with a cinematographer. It doesn't feel like these people are actually holding the cameras. Um, everything is framed just a bit yeah. too convenient. Well, and I guess I guess conveniently again, they're film students, right?
1: So they're gonna yeah. know how to do that. But also like. Ugh um yeah. and then i don't know there are character moments i like to your point i think something that sticks out to me still is um there's two things that come to mind one is when he's starting the interview process and he's talking to mary who's driving the car and he keeps trying to get a little bit more out of her and she's like uncomfortable but doing it. and She's like like something about the simplicity of can you not do this while i'm trying to drive like i'm trying to focus on driving and just the very the very base level like interaction that happens there i find compelling and it's the most believable sort of humanity that you're getting out of the characters performances is when they're just like talking like people would
0: (laughs) and it's like like dude i'm
1: trying to drive like please don't interview me and and
0: and i thought i thought um She was actually the the best. She was the best. She's barely in the movie and it sucks. And then she she goes away so quickly and it's rough. And even right before she kills herself, um, she runs over a bunch of zombies and she feels really bad about it. And I thought that was so compelling. But the actual shot... And the buildup to her running over those zombies came out of nowhere. And, like, it was presented almost comedically. It's just this quick shot of her hitting all these zombies. Yeah, and, it and feels as like she it-
1: runs over the sheriff, somebody in the back says license and registration. <laughs> Which, don't get me wrong, that's fucking hilarious. But yeah. it's like, what, mo- what kind of movie is this? Also, to be clear, this is uh,
0: Tatiana Maslany, who Crushed. Um, yeah yeah she, she was good, but then it just it felt like the dialogue and I think the direction just isn't doing anybody any favors in this movie because if if you're if the if you only have like one believable actor in your movie, I don't think that's an acting problem. that's a direction problem. Yeah. And, that's a direction uh, problem people... then a writing problem, then an acting problem, yeah. and so this is like clearly people that are like pulled from the theater and it's just all very stage play and you know what's interesting yeah uh per the wikipedia page that's true these actors had a lot of theater experience he said Uh.
1: so uh i don't know why you would swing for that in this case perhaps because he says a lot of it was shot in like long takes so you wanted the flexibility of theater experience but uh it's giving a quality to the movie that takes away from the grittiness that comes with found footage because it's just what the yeah. actors are in this case through no fault of their own being trained and directed to do right. <laughs> like,
0: yeah, I think I'm just learning from at least in this movie, my sensibilities and Romero's sensibilities are just pretty opposite. I don't think we want the same things.
1: Yeah. And, um, I think there's a theatricality, I don't know, to something like Night Rider's, that feels a lot more appropriate <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, because yeah. the spectacle is part of the point and that's another great example where he's dealing with themes both um, in terms of like uh, you know what it means to stand true to one's uh, values and convictions in the face of like effectively in that movie the literal plot thing is like TV money and fame he's making a similar argument to like stand by one's uh, friends family convictions uh integrity artistic integrity personal integrity whatever uh in the face of just like blind you know capitalistic will pay you to do some dumb shit uh that you don't care about but it just doesn't connect here in the way that it connects in something like that and i think part of it is because you feel like the people in Knight Riders are actual people a little bit more they're doing something very outlandish so you can also buy the theatricality a little bit easier whereas uh these people should feel a lot more down to earth than they are and there's a few lines that just stick out where he's trying to invoke like i guess hip things like playstation and nintendo that are a bit eye-rolly but um the only other thing that really stuck out to me is like a really good really human moment is when elliot has to fight that zombie with the like uh iv post and then just gets really fucking pissed off at tony for saying it wasn't real and saying that they were alive like the big rant that he goes into like did that look like it was fucking alive to you because now we're dealing with a dead person that we know because you said all this dumb shit about thinking that this was a fucking hoax, you dipshit. I really liked that.
0: Yes, I I like that too. Um, there's, there's, yeah, little glimmers of stuff that I really yeah. like in this movie. And then it's almost always immediately followed by something I don't dig. One small example that I'll give you is... Um, when we see Jason editing the documentary live, (laughs) like he's editing what he shot already. And I thought, oh man, that's actually, that's really cool. I've never really seen that in a found footage movie before. And it shows where his preoccupation is and um, it, it contextualizes what the movie is so far. And that was really nice. But then um the way they're talking about it and just the the manner in which he's editing it is like so it's like that's not editing software at all like he's he's like clacking away at the keyboard hey like they they ingest footage on a cassette and then it just cuts to a different thing and then yeah the cassette (laughs) yeah and then he just types rapidly at the keyboard and it's just uh this is the kind of movie where you really gotta have, like, all your ducks in a row. Yeah, uh, and, also, it's and, just
1: weird that up to that point, the implication is that we're seeing the movie he shot, and then that movie includes the editing scene. Yes. <laughs> like, that just, yeah. like, I get why it would be in there if the, if they're
0: going for transparency, but that just kind of threw me. Dude, I, I'm gonna say it. I think this is the most similar to Blair Witch 2 we've gotten since we were there. I think... That this is a movie where, like, it's very cynical and bitter and is trying to comment on the genre that it belongs to in kind of an angry way and also make points about the human condition. But then the way it's put together, like, it doesn't have the chops. And so it just all reads as very, very flat.
1: Yeah, I do want to say I don't know if George Romero was angry um i don't is it cynical totally i don't know if he's angry i think he's i think he's bitter i think i think he's bitter um he's bitter about this i don't and i I don't even want to generalize too much um because we don't know um he's bitter about media for sure (laughs) um and what he's seeing is like a twisting of the narrative i mentioned the uh The fact that they single it out as an immigrant family earlier in the movie because later they show a police chief on the news who is blaming the incident and, by extension, the outbreak on illegal immigration. And they're framing that as like, uh, oh, here's the media again doing the thing it does where it twists the narrative. And I'm not going to sit here and say that media doesn't do that. Like, of course, there are arms of the media that do that kind of thing, that are agenda-pushing. Um, but you know, we're, we got journalism educations and, uh, no one is being taught to use the mechanisms of journalism in that way. And nobody is being taught to use these technologies specifically in that way. Um, are a lot of people doing it? Yes. Are far more people doing it now than we're probably doing it in 2007? Yes. Um, is that a wider commentary on the nature of humanity in crisis generally? No, I don't think so. And I don't even think it's a it's indicative of how humanity operates between humanity as a as like a trait, like being humane and technology as a means of seeing the world in a detached way. like there's a way to do that that's not detaching you from being a person, like you don't become fucking Robocop. Yeah. I don't know. I feel like I could just, I could harp on that for a long time. Um, it's just, it's it's a frustrating movie. I didn't even feel this frustrated as I watched it,
0: but it's a frustrating movie. It's a disappointing movie. And I think, I think he's bitter about the zombie genre too, and maybe even the horror genre, because there's some lines in here um, about how dead things don't move fast. Um, yeah, Tracy's, and Tracy's whole speech at the beginning yeah, good. that's like it's well it's just but it's, it's corny, been done, but it's, it's been done before, right? Like this is eleven years after Scream, and we have Tracy saying, like, why do we always have to fall down when we're running away from the bad thing, you know? And then she complains about that, and then
1: later on that scene happens in real life as if it's some kind of gotcha moment. Where it's like, yeah, she falls over and her dress gets ripped open and whatever the fuck, and it's just like, ugh. Yeah, you're now, not Scream being did clever, before, Romero. Like Yeah. Um I did say earlier
0: today that this movie features one of the greatest scenes we've ever seen, ever. That's right. Oh, oh, dude! If it's not what I think you're about to say, that literally just popped into my mind. It fucking bastards. Then, then, then it has two of the greatest scenes ever. Go ahead. Um. Well,
1: so partway through the movie, they meet a man named Samuel, who uh, is deaf, Amish, and can't appear to speak. So the implication being. That communication will be difficult and he doesn't specifically know what's happening necessarily because he doesn't have like uh a radio or a TV necessarily. Uh that's the the impression I'm getting that they're trying to make. Like obviously he fucking can see. He could have a TV and read. Like, uh, so I don't know. But the implication seems to be that maybe he's not as up to speed, or if he is, maybe they're just doing it as a fucking joke, then I don't know. But zombies start to like encroach on their spot while they're trying to fix the RV. And, uh, he has a little chalkboard that he uses to, like, write messages to people while they're trying to talk. He can understand people, uh, who are just talking to him, but, uh, he uses the little chalkboard. And so there are a bunch of, uh, zombies coming, and they're like, oh, fuck, what are we gonna do? And he runs into the barn, and he comes back out with a stick of dynamite, (laughs) lit, and everybody goes, oh my god, and he throws it, and he blows up a bunch of zombies, and it cuts back to him just standing there, and, like, body parts and dirt are falling from the sky, and he just writes on the chalkboard, hello, I'm Samuel. Yep. And it's the sing it's so funny. It's it's perfect. Like top to bottom, it's perfect. It's perfect. It's incredible. It's so funny.
0: It's so that funny. Was it's funny. so funny. Yeah, that was, was that the scene? It had to be the scene. It wasn't the scene. Oh my god. I thought it was gonna be the scene the entire time you were describing it until you uh Is it the double scythe? Finish. Dude. <laughs> the double scythe. Yeah, so Samuel gets bitten by a zombie, it everybody. <laughs> and yeah. And so he decides to dispatch of the attacker, the <laughs> zombie attacker, and himself by plunging like a uh, 24-inch thick scythe into his own skull. <laughs> and and it was a head the and head. hit the zombie. And and you see the zombie fall down afterwards, but for like a second and a half, all I saw was Samuel just deciding to <laughs> thrust this sight to into get his it over head, with. and it was and he fucking it, it is a split second decision that Samuel makes. He does not yes. fucking hesitate. Oh my gosh, what a badass! And so yeah, Samuel, actually, wait, best character. There might be a third best scene we've ever seen. Yeah, um, Ridley,
1: his property has a pool and he keeps talking about <laughs> he keeps talking about how uh, his family and his girlfriend like aren't around right now they're in the back don't worry about it and it's very obviously that they're either he killed them or they're zombies and uh it turns out that what he did <laughs> cuz he didn't want to kill them i guess is uh he put he put he put his family and his in the in the in the estate staff in the pool <laughs> so there's just a bunch of zombies standing at the bottom of the pool (laughs) and you can see them through the water and they're not dead because i guess drowning can't kill them and they're not trying to get out of the pool later we see them get out of the pool so it's not clear how that ever worked ever um because later on they just straight up climb the fuck out of the pool but uh just a bunch of people standing at the bottom of the pool while a man dressed as a mummy explains why he had to put them there's very funny
0: yeah, that that was a great image. It's just like so absurd. How, that... are
1: sh- how is shit like that in the same movie that's both trying to be a documentary and trying to make a very serious point? Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. what are we doing?
0: Come on, George. Yeah, yeah. It's it's a shame uh, that the the pretentiousness and uh, the cynicism i guess the cynicism yeah is is the biggest takeaway from this movie because there's some cool ideas in it and uh and also the something. quote
1: immediately after a mummy a man dresses a mummy in a leather jacket gets in a convertible and drives away elliot says fucking mummies get all the girls yeah <laughs> which is like and what dude, what
0: does that mean <laughs> it's so dude funny. there was also a really good bit where um uh, who was this guy? Who was the guy with the big glasses, the nerd-looking guy? Hacker man? Elliot. That's Elliot, yeah. There was there was that bit where Elliot was stabbing the bald zombie to kill him, and he was just, like, m- rambling and muttering while he was doing it, and I couldn't tell what the heck he was saying. Did you get any of that? Uh... <sighs> i don't even remember that scene to be completely like it honest. was dude it was one of the most ridiculous things i've ever seen where i couldn't tell if like i was just supposed to be watching someone have an incomprehensible nervous breakdown or if like he was spouting some real ish and i just <laughs> <laughs> i'm gonna i'm gonna assume it's the it's the former <laughs> you'll have to i'll find a timestamp so you can go yeah, back. yeah
1: I, I now own you this own film the movie. so i can check it whenever yeah. i want uh i will say i also noted that uh George Romero has multiple movies take place in Pittsburgh or in and around and this is one of those. So. Cool. He's back. He's I like, like Stephen King with Maine. I like that. Also, there's a character named Gordo. We somehow haven't managed that yet or mentioned it yet. Fucking Gordo Thorson. Yes. Just a real ass yeah. name of a real human man,
0: allegedly. <laughs> real name of a real man, allegedly. <laughs> and there's, a, there's some cameos.
1: Um, there's voice cameos from a couple of people. I thought I put them in my notes. I didn't. I'm gonna go get it from the Wikipedia page. There are vocal cameos from Quentin Tarantino, Wes Craven, Guillermo del Toro, Simon Pegg, and Stephen King.
0: Damn! Did this Romero guy make other movies or something? I uh, must sounds have. like he's got a following. Sounds like people might want to watch his other movies and not this one
1: also notably uh he cited the failings of the blair witch project this is me quoting the wikipedia page as a reason he wanted to make this kind of movie and he said holy shit he said he found the movie dizzying and noted that quote it didn't quite make sense hey george you did way worse (laughs) joe berlinger is that you fuck and also uh, the cg is really 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 inexcusably bad for 2007
0: yeah yeah and it comes across like someone who's just like stoked on using cg it's like oh man we didn't have this in the 60s when i did this stuff so uh yeah it feels a bit this, like that this is way easier this is awesome yeah um
1: yeah there's some funny stuff but overall it's just really frustrating and it's disappointing i think more than anything it's frustrating and it's disappointing <laughs> but yeah and and i will say to your point sorry uh yeah it's nowhere it's maybe the closest we've gotten to book of shadows in terms of missed potential in the execution it's
0: nowhere near as frustrating yeah (laughs)
1: like book of shadows is in a league of its own still
0: yeah i i feel the same way and i can't actually pinpoint exactly why that is because on paper they do seem very similar and everything we're saying seems like it could be applied to both movies but i definitely don't feel <laughs> the rage the that animosity I felt right now. yeah yeah i think so, uh, maybe the the
1: jokes engender some goodwill <laughs> yeah yeah and probably. some of the performances are good and some of the moments yeah. are good um some of them are not but you know some of it is uh yeah man uh starting uh spooktober's spooktacular on a weird note for sure but this movie does take place in october which is fun yeah right near the end too. three days like what the 24th like the 27th or something
0: yeah so it fits that's cool
1: yeah it fits totally it's just like um well we know what we're watching in the near future and i i think this is gonna be a singular experience in the month (laughs)
0: Yeah, which is which is I think uh good. I I would like it if every movie we do this month is sort of a singular experience. So hopefully we can keep that up. Yeah, do we want to tease what
1: we're doing or are these are these Spooktober secrets?
0: <laughs> you know what? I think we should keep it a Spooktober secret. I love that. Yeah. Um
1: unfortunately so does the spooktober Toberman. so he just got slightly more powerful than he was before
0: oh god keep him down Corey. you could do it he feeds on secrets i gotta get him back in <laughs>
1: um yeah, he feeds on secrets unfortunately thank god i don't have that many but the ones i do have are really big so i gotta be really careful <laughs> much like much like uh gretchen wiener's hair in Moon Girls.
0: It feeds on secrets
1: yeah um before we get out of here Cause I feel like we're done with this and uh, we shouldn't make fun of um, a beloved filmmaker anymore. What have you been watching to get into the October spirit spoilers for listeners? We were recording this in September, but uh, I know people who have been acting like it's been Halloween since September started. So Mm -hmm. I'm sure you've got probably some stuff that you've watched recently to get in the mood.
0: I do. Yeah. I am not one of those people that starts as soon as September hits as much as I would love to feel that way um and as much as i love october it's arguably my favorite month of the year december is the other big one um but i feel like it it what makes it so special is that it's finite and that it has an end date and a beginning and so i want to i want to keep it special and so starting to ramp up um in september it just feels like at that point i like i'm kind of lying to myself and i sh- might as well have just done it in august or july or whatever so i do try to wait until october but because we've started our october festivities technically early by watching and recording this episode to have it out in october um this is part of my uh october slate i feel like even though we're watching it in oh totally late september so so i thought okay cory and i have started preparing so october is definitely happening um so my girlfriend and i bought a box of fun-sized chocolate bars. Um, one, one of the better combo packs. We got the one with Mr. Big, Crispy Crunch, uh, Caramelk, and Wonder Bar. I'm going to go what ahead and have. make the bold assertion
1: that you just lied to me and every listener, because that is not one of the better combo packs, my boy. What do you think is the be- is, is better? Um, The one that comes... Top tier. <sighs> so... If I could have it my way, I would buy a box of whatever is just chocolate and peanut butter. Just fuck me up with that forever. Uh, But I don't want to get a box that's like all just Reese stuff, you know, because they do have that. But that's too much of one thing. Too much of a good thing can be bad for you. That's why George Romero had to make a bad zombie movie because it was too much of a good thing before that. And um, got him. But, uh.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Deez nuts. (laughs) (laughs) Ligma ball,
1: <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I think uh, the most all-around good package is uh, uh, it's like arrow, it's the arrow Kit Kat Dude, Smarties. Holy shit! Crisp
0: what <laughs> I am no, man, this is bringing up bad memories for me. <laughs> so when when my girlfriend and I went to uh get our Halloween candy, we were in the store and. She said, all right, it's time. We're going to get this Halloween candy. Because I've, I've seen it in the store. Every time I go grocery shopping, I'm at a holding off, even though it's been there since August. And uh, with uh, with her down to clown and with us doing Diary of the Dead, I figured, okay, it's time. So we walk into the aisle and she says, well, which one do we get? And I say, well, indisputably, the best one is right here. Arrow Kit Kat Coffee Crisp Smarties. And she lays into me, dude. She's like, that <laughs> is objectively not the best one. Tell Brianna like, I said she's <laughs> profoundly wrong. However,
1: <laughs> milk slaps, but it's not enough to make up for fucking crispy crunch. Are you kidding me? <laughs> <laughs>
0: Get that shit out of my goddamn face! Listen, we're not totally on the same page here, uh, (laughs) you and I. Caramelk does slap, um, but for me, what ruins the box that we got, and there's always one that isn't up to snuff. I mean, Aero Kit Kat and Coffee Crisp are great. Smarties, they're they're good, and then they stop being good, and then they're good again. So that's (laughs) that's that's the the one that keeps me at bay. For for, for all the
1: American listeners, we're not talking about rockets, which are those little chalky pills. These are yeah. sort of like M&M's, but harder? No, yeah. yeah. That's how I would describe like, Smarties as M&M's, but harder.
0: Yeah, I, I don't like those boxes that have like fruity shit or yeah. chalky shit in them. I like the chocolate stuff. If I wanted
1: to eat chalk, I'd go back to school.
0: Yeah. So what ruins this <laughs> box for me that we did end up getting and which I've convinced myself that I do like um, <laughs> is the Mr. Big. I don't want the Mr. Big all that much, man. It's like, do you know what's in a Mr. Big, Corey? It's like... No, I don't. It's like peanuts and rice. I'm not a huge peanut guy. It's peanuts and rice. <laughs> I like how um, that means
1: you are a big rice guy. I'll eat chocolate rice <laughs> all the goddamn time. But you put a single peanut just, near me, I'll karate chop you straight in the neck.
0: It just feels so slight. And so I've never been a Mr. Big fan. Ironic, but,
1: considering the name.
0: Yeah, but caramel goes hard. And I love crispy Crunch, bro. And I'm surprised you don't, because I swear that's peanut butter in there.
1: That's gotta be peanut butter. Um, I've only ever had it a couple of times and I've just never been stoked. So, I mean, maybe mm-hmm. I just need to try it again. But if I look at that lineup, my my animosity
0: goes straight to crispy Crunch. Interesting. Interesting. Um, but it, then, it yeah, is-
1: my, my preference is like, uh, if somebody wants to give me like a, like a pumpkin shaped Reese chocolate or, uh, just orange and black M&M's or some shit, I'll just take that. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, the ideal value pack, I think, is the one that we've both singled out for sure.
0: It's it's the safest one. It's it's yeah. the classic, yeah, the OG. So, what have you been pairing with that cinematically? I've been watching Goosebumps episodes. So Brianna, despite growing up in Canada, um, has never really seen Goosebumps, the TV show, or oh, any of. Well, the she shows. should have. Oh, sorry, I just I just moved over and got that <laughs> a little bit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> you know, gotta, gotta <laughs> retain the spooktober man who fucking loves goosebumps
0: <laughs> yeah so she had she's not familiar with goosebumps at all um i'm waiting for my mom to ship me my goosebumps collection from my childhood home because then i can really show her what's up we can read them before bed and shit cause I, I got like all all og 62 but until then we're stuck with the episodes real fans so so yeah and so i showed her uh the most iconic episode is the series opener, two-parter, Haunted Mask, um, which is great. I, I used to wear out that VHS tape, and uh, Corey and I actually briefly discussed doing a Goosebumps-type um, episode this month, maybe Haunted Mask 2 or uh, Goosebumps, the second movie that came out a year or two ago, and we, for, we forwent it. Can that be a word? Uh, for... Oh, I know what words you want, but I can't think like of. Like for either. forgo is the word. Yeah. but but forgoed it sounds funny. Forwent. Ooh, we forbade it. We, so we forbade <laughs> it in favor of of uh, something that we think is grander and on a similar. What's the there weren't there? that many
1: haunted kid shows. You can suss it out, listeners.
0: <laughs> yeah, I'll stop myself there. Uh, so anyway, are you I do afraid love of the bark? <laughs> Are you afraid of the goosebumps? Um Are you afraid of the dark legacy? <laughs> uh Whoa. so I knocked my uh knocked my mic over. Oh, it's October, guys. We're getting we're getting all over the place. Our limbs are flailing. Um <laughs> So I watched. I watched Goosebumps. We watched uh, that main episode, which still kills. And then uh, we watch. We just started digging into what's on Netflix. And here in Canada, it seems um, that they just piled a bunch of episodes randomly in a strange order and called it season one. Because Weird. I looked it up, and other other countries have all the episodes, but in in Netflix and I think Britain, they, there's just uh, about. 10-15 episodes that make up what they call season one. And uh a lot of them I haven't seen before because I was actually, despite loving the Goosebumps books, I was a bigger fan of another horror-themed kids' show made in Canada. And so I watched that most of the Dateline. Time. Yep. <laughs> so so these have been fun. Is that even yeah, made in Canada? I have no idea. I don't think so, man. Um <laughs> And 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 Brianna surprised me saying that she would be so down to watch like every Goosebumps episode. So she's big into the October thing. That's not a surprise. Also... You guys have
1: a lot of the same interests. We do.
0: And I also oh, this is big. Um, I watched for the first time Hocus Pocus from 1993. Yeah, right is now. that the
1: one with the witches in it?
0: Yes. Yeah, I don't. Yeah. I don't know, I don't know with, if I've uh, seen that, but I, I'm familiar. Yeah, one of the one of the witches is the main woman from Sex and the City, who I am now familiar with. Um, and Hocus does it, Pocus does that movie- show also have a Mr. Big? It does, and <laughs> I hate him too. Holy shit! <laughs> Cinematic um, parallels. <laughs> Hocus Pocus is an iconic movie for many people, and I guarantee when they put out that sequel, which is going to happen at some point, we'll do an episode on it. But I'll give you it briefly. I, I didn't see it as a kid. You can note it now, Corey. So if I come onto the episode saying that I'm a huge fan of Hocus Pocus. That means that a lot has happened to me over the last few years. It just happens, (laughs) yeah. Because right now, uh, I've only seen it once. Um, But it aired a lot on Disney Channel, and and it it got a big cult following on home video and on cable. And I just, I never, I never checked it out. Um, And I've had it on my October watch list since 2016 because I know its reputation. It sounds fun. I love October, and so I've had it ready to go. And I've just missed it every single October. I've forbade it in order to see other things. <laughs> That's super and, uh... not the
1: right word, and I can't believe you just <laughs> used it again.
0: <laughs> and so... uh <laughs> This time I was I was hanging out with Brianna and um, a friend of hers and they had some DVDs and I just I needed the, the help of someone else to have me finally put it on and watch it. And so we did it. And I really liked it, man. It was it was really cool. It, it was not exactly what I expected. I thought I had the movie figured out and it was it was different than I had built it up in my head. It was good. I can see why people watch it every year. It is very halloweeny it's There are lots of movies oh, that yeah. I love to watch in October, but they 're still their their Halloween level is like it doesn 't feel super october it 's just a good, scary fun movie. but this one has a strong Halloween feel, so that was cool and then the only other October viewing i 've done thus far is a rewatch of One of my favorite horror movies of all time. Top five for sure. And that is Pet Cemetery, the original. I watched it with Brianna and it was the best it's been yet, man. That movie is like, every time I watch it, it just keeps getting better. It was was absolutely amazing. I loved it. I had butterflies in my stomach the entire time the movie was on. I just love that movie so much. Yeah, that's something that
1: we got to, I guess we can't get to it here, but um, we got to do the remake just to give you an excuse to talk about it, I think.
0: That's um, right. And and we both kind of have a bit of history that might not factor into the episode a whole yeah. lot, but it, it would be fun to check it out again. Yeah. And I'm I'm planning to watch it uh, probably this October yeah. as well. I've
1: seen it. So, I mean, I'm good.
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. square. Uh, but yeah, let's do an episode. Dude, let's do an episode where we just like recall it from memory. Dude, having seen yes, it a year, please, please, ago. please,
1: please, please, please.
0: <laughs> we, we have to do that eventually. We have to try it. Let's do it with that.
1: All right, I'm okay, good. cool. Um, yeah, I've been, uh, I'm getting there. My big, there's there's a, there's one big thing I need to get to this October because I've been bad at watching movies that aren't for this podcast lately. Nightmare on Elm Street 2 is on YouTube mm-hmm.
0: for mm-hmm. free. I have no excuse to have not watched it. I need to watch it. Um, well, dude, if you ever want to buddy up, I'll hit play on that same time as you. Yeah, if you guys can that'd believe be, it, be we, we do
1: stuff together that isn't this show. <laughs> Uh, i've been meaning to see that forever um original texas chainsaw massacre is on the list because that's a long time coming at this point oh yeah uh and i don't know the other day Keiki explained at length to me a nightmare before christmas because i hadn't seen that (laughs) so oh interesting that's about as halloweeny as i've gotten up to this point but i've got some stuff i want to hit um i'm sure some other stuff will come up looking forward to it and then obviously we've got big plans for the month so
0: so Corey, I, we've talked before about how you're not like a big holiday guy, you know, like they just happen, but you're not... Ba humbug. You know, That's, I said that. A, I was the first person a bah to say humbug that. humbug guy. <laughs> so, <laughs> That's not true. Do you think um, in trying to watch stuff this October and also now this being our second time getting all festive for October, do, are you like getting more into watching seasonal stuff? And do you think... Like this, this October, you're going to watch more Halloween-y type stuff in your off time than ever before, or did Um, you always try to get to stuff in October? Like, what's your relationship been with October viewing before this? um, Seasonal viewing has almost exclusively been at the behest of, like, family, who are, like, putting
1: on seasonal stuff at, like, holiday get-togethers and shit like that, Mm -hmm. Um As I've gotten older, I've gotten much more of an affinity for Halloween, Um, though I don't need to necessarily watch a movie that's Halloween-y. I do want to watch something that's scary. However, um, I have also just gotten more into horror movies over those same years, so it kind of goes together. That's true. That I would be more interested in those things now. Like, I want to decorate my room and shit. I don't have any decorations, and I don't know how I'm going to do that, because it seems irresponsible to go to the store just to buy Halloween decorations. But um, I left some in the basement for you. Well, there we go. Problem solved. Was, are you the spooktober man? No. Um,
0: but, <laughs> Dude, oh. <laughs> Dude, quick anecdote. Uh, back when I lived in the house that Corey lives in now um, with uh, some of our friends, every October, very strangely, treats appeared around the house, often from that Coffee Crisp arrow Bar box. They would appear in random places around the house, like kind of like an Easter egg hunt. And uh, my roommates would be finding them all throughout the month, just in various spaces. And we we called that appearance. No one knew who to attribute it to, but we would call it, that must be the work of the trick-or-treat man. <laughs> and, uh, do you think, that was big for us. Do October. you still not know who the trick-or-treat man was? Or was it you? Well, I think... Y'all have to let me know uh, <laughs> what happens If the trick or treat man shows up this October And if not then that might be your answer Okay well we'll have to see what happens But yeah, I, I
1: do think I have more of an affinity for it uh, So it's something I'd like To do I don't have a desire to do it with something like Christmas though Still Like it's just I'm not into Christmas In that way I'm not into Christmas movies in that way I just don't really want that But Halloween is something I can really get down with and horror is something i'm increasingly trying to get more and more into and more familiar with
0: so that just kind of works what if we push the christmas horror thing and try to gateway you into it or at least see if you can get that i mean we we do a couple of the bottom
1: totally and christmas horror i'll do i fucking obviously i love black christmas and stuff like that uh but i like those because they're horror movies that take place at christmas not because they're christmas horror movies you know what i mean like, the Christmas element is cool, but it's not why I'm there. It, um, I'm there because they're good horror movies, too, and the
0: Christmas element is compelling. But I don't want to watch, like, a Christmas movie. You know what I mean? Yeah, well, I think we we should... You shouldn't ever get to that point, uh, because it's just not your thing. But I think you should fuck up just a whole bunch of Christmas horror movies in December. It might make you feel good. Silent Night, Deadly good. Nights, 1 through 16. Oh, dude. I don't know how that's, many there that's, are. There's, that's, what, four? That's what... Five? That's what we're doing. Uh spoilers for this December on the podcast. We're gonna do three episodes a week. Solid <laughs> Deadly Night Parts one to sixteen. Coming your way, twenty twenty. Garbage day. Garbage day. That's a promise. No. <laughs> <laughs> um
1: but yeah, so uh yeah, I think I think I, I like Halloween a lot more now, and I like horror movies more now, so it, it just sort of worked out,
0: I think. Nice. I love that. Are we done? <laughs> I, I mean, like, we're just Sorry. getting started, but but I guess we're done for today. But, <laughs> but in started. terms of... It's been 95 minutes. But no, in terms of October.
1: Oh, you know. oh, oh, yeah, that's a way better out. I just couldn't think of an out, so I just said that to see where it brought us, and it brought us to a good segue. Um, That's what we've got for week one of our Spooktober Spooktacular. We have four more... Weeks to go that's a lie We've got three more weeks to go And four more movies If you can believe it So uh our current plan (laughs) Is to get a little bit of a, a Special thing out for um Halloween day itself With some good friends Friends of the show who you've heard before We're gonna do that but yeah we've got we've got a lot of Stuff I'm excited about Lined up we're revisiting some stuff That we uh We're familiar with we're trying out some new stuff We're getting some TV in there, um, breaking boundaries, branching out, and uh, doing our best to hold back the demonic presence that is the Spooktoberman, which haunts me in my every waking moment and in my dreams as well. And so, uh, you know, if anybody wants to send me some money on PayPal uh, to help me sort of finance the various support structures I need to fend off and fight the, uh, the Spooktoberman, you can do that or uh you know just watch me suffer silently and that's also okay <laughs> <laughs> but uh yeah i think i think with that we're uh, we're gonna get out of here we're gonna go get ready for more spooks and scares i'm gonna go buy a 12 foot skeleton and sit it at our dining room table <laughs>
0: <laughs> call that the trick-or-treat man 12 feet holy shit
1: did you not see on twitter home depot is selling 12 foot tall skeletons for people to put in their yards no yeah it's become like a meme because people are buying gigantic skeletons at home depot
0: holy fuck there's home depots in this city can I get one I bet it's so around the corner from here Halloween decorations are expensive like I bet if that that's a $100 skeleton Dude, I bet it'd be way more than that. That's a $6,000 skeleton.
1: <laughs> it's it's a real giant.
0: If if anyone wants to send us PayPal money so that we can buy a uh, giant
1: skeleton to put at the dining get, room get, table it the Trick skeleton, or Treat Man.
0: The Trick or Treat Man will fight off the Spooktober Man.
1: Yeah, episode 6 oh, no. of this month is going to be a video episode where the Spooktober Man fights the Trick or Treat Man. <laughs> uh but we do need a budget for that. So uh Send me money in the mail in an envelope. <laughs> or just watch us suffer silently. Or just watch us. You fucking, how could you, you people? Um. Anyway, let's get out of here. Let's go Uh. prepare ourselves for the fight with the spooktober man who, uh, you know, better not interrupt this outro. <laughs> and uh, thank you all once again for listening to another episode of They Slayed Another One. That wasn't him. That was me. I know it sounded a little bit like him, but it was me. Trust me. You can find us all over the internet, on Twitter, at TheyMadeAnother, all one word, and on a Letterboxd, at T-M-A-O. You can find episodes... <laughs> Whoa! Episodes, okay, we're okay, don't worry about it, it's fine. On Anchor, Spotify, Apple, and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Breaker, and everything else, as they made another one. Uh Sorry to anybody who just crashed their cars. Um, I'm doing my best <laughs> to fend back the, uh, the Spooktober, man um you can reach us via email at tmao at gmail.com with recommendations for future episodes questions comments and the best ways to fight off the trick-or-treat man our fantastic no the spooktober man the trick-or-treat man can stay i guess it depends which side you're on <laughs> uh either of them you pick a side and we'll choose our fantastic thumbnail art is done by Jay dickinson who you can find on instagram at jade sketches custom-made soundboard clips are courtesy of jason deline
0: who you can find on instagram at deline man liam where can people find you You guys can find my film-writing alter-ego Graham the Haunted Marshmallow on Twitter and Letterboxd. My username is Graham the Mallow. And you can catch me on Twitter and Letterboxd at Mr. Price. And you can catch me
1: up in the middle of the night fending off the Spooktoberman. And uh, with that out of the way, we'll catch you here next time for some more. They made another one? That doesn't sound like our regular outro music. Oh no. Oh god. Liam. Liam. You have to help me. End the podcast. (laughs) End the podcast. (laughs)